When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for our match preview. Newcastle head down to Ellen Road to face Leeds on Saturday. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as usual I'm joined by John Gibson. And I'd make the joke about this being a must-win game but I'm bored <laughs> of saying it myself, John. We said it last week yep. against Watford. In fact, you said it was a must, must, must-win game. And they didn't. And we're going to have to talk briefly about that because I think what happened, especially in the second half against Watford, leads us into what might happen mm-hmm. against Leeds United. Just sum up your thoughts about that draw to Watford first off. Um, so disappointed it was untrue. What worries me uh, is that on both the last two home games, we've had a tremendous lift crowd-wise. First of all, we signed Trippier. We were home to Cambridge in the FA Cup. The elation of getting Trippier through the door the crowd, everything was up, 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 up. Bottom line, we lost to a third-tier club at home in the FA Cup. Disaster. We were depressed, lower in a snake's belly. We got another lift before we played Watford because we signed a centre-forward. £25 spent on our chicken feed. Again, the big lift. Again, the result's going to come along at the end of the week. And, of course, it didn't. 1-1 at home with only one win all season, was a disastrous result. We said at the time that a draw wasn't good enough, and it wasn't. So we've had two major signings with a huge lift that's given us, and then flat as a pancake. And at this moment, we're going to Leeds flat as a pancake. The second half was particularly alarming. There was no urgency, no desire, it seemed to, to kill off the game. And I'm just wondering... Why do you think that is? Eddie Howe mentioned a bit of a mindset issue. Newcastle, maybe under previous managers, have, have failed to have that confidence to go out and get a second. And also, do you think there's an issue, John, where some of these players are looking at all the whispers and rumours and gossip of the giant transfer window and thinking, come February the 1st, I might not be part of this first team? They may not, but that's their own fault in order to do something about it or try to do something about it. I mean, Watford was a setup for us. This side had lost seven games on the bounce. They hadn't kept a clean sheet all season, which virtually guaranteed you scoring against them, which, of course, we did do. But what was frightening, and bear in mind how fragile they were, and they went one behind at the beginning of the second half, what was frightening at home with 50,000 and a new centre-forward, we had one shot on target all game and that was a goal now that is horrendous um, and you're going to get what you get and let's make no mistake about it it might have been two minutes from the end of normal time when Watford scored but they were the ones looking as though they would score at the time we were exceptionally disappointed they were quicker and more aggressive on the counter-attack and more sure of themselves than we were. We were completely full of apprehension. And quite frankly, what it told me, and it is unpalatable, is that we need so many signings 
are we going to get them during January in enough? We need two centre-backs, we need a left-back, we need a dynamic midfielder and we need another striker. And that's just to give us a reasonable chance in January. Are we going to get all them in in the time that's remaining? That's how bad this problem is. Well, the new owners are certainly seeing just how tough it is to manoeuvre through the transfer window and we will get on to that in just a moment. But just on that Watford game, when you look at what happened in the second half and we mentioned Chris Wood there, we know what he likes, the ball into the box, you know, one yep. touch, whip it in. In the second half, Newcastle attempted just six crosses, only one met the, the target. In, in the whole game, they had six uh, crosses, they attempted 21 in the whole game. That's not good enough. When you've got a man like Chris Wood, you've got to be getting that ball in. And we didn't see enough of that against Watford, who defensively aren't the best. You no, know, not at all. I've never kept a clean sheet. Um, and it was something that I mentioned in our podcast last week, Andrew. It concerned me when you're playing San Maximum as a wide player to Wood. Because San Maximum is all about tricks. He wants to do his tricks. He'll go on one foot, he'll drag the ball back. So the centre-forward's gone in, he's got to check and come back out and go in again. San Maximum is not the ideal sort of winger to to feed a centre-forward like Wood. What Wood needs is two flankers who, who take one touch, drop the shoulder and whip the ball in first time. San Maximum's not going to do that. And I suggested that he might be better employed playing just behind uh, Wood in a centre more central position to go on and cause chaos with his dribbling going into the penalty area. He's not going to... When you have somebody like Wood, it restricts, limits the way you play. I remember Newcastle in the old days when they won the, the only European trophy and they had Wayne Davies at centre-forward. I'm not suggesting Wood is as obsessive on being an aerial player as Wynn Davies was, but it is his major strength. Wynn wasn't good on the ground. Wood, we hope, is a bit better than that. But, but, he dictates that you play one way. Newcastle didn't play that way against Watford. And if you've bought somebody for £25 million, which is top dollar for somebody like Wood, mind, that is big money for somebody like Wood. He's prob probably his natural values beneath that, but you had to pay it as the escape clause. Then you must play to his strengths, and we didn't. It was a, We must also say, by the way, before the blame goes on everybody else's shoulders, like the wide men, etc., it was a very underwhelming debut. There's no question in my mind at all. I expect more from me centre-forward than I got that day. It's interesting you mentioned about Alan St. Maximum because there's been a lot of discussion on plenty of fan podcasts this week about what you do about him. And I was speaking to someone just the other day about St. Maximum and his, his, he doesn't, like you say, he doesn't really want to cross the ball in the box. It's turn and twist and then go back on the man. And the person I was speaking to said if that had been Shearer up front, he would have had St. Maximum up against the wall. We've all heard about what you know him and Ginola and no telling him to put the ball it. in the no box, and it's interesting. It. You wonder if Woods got that characteristic about him where it, over time he's going to go to the wingers and say, "Look, enough of the tricks. Put the ball into the box, and I'll I'll do the rest." Because you do need that confidence as a striker to be able to say that, especially to the star man. Now, of course, answer maximum. You, you always get the feeling it's a maximum who take no notice whatsoever <laughs> because he just does what comes natural to him. Yes. Um, but I don't, I mean, I mentioned it both in print and on the podcast last week. 
that I was apprehensive about him playing wide because he checks onto the other foot. It might bamboozle people, but if you're the centre forward, you've gone in for the cross, you've checked, you've come back out, then you've got to go in again. And he is not a naturally wide winger to provide crosses, and therefore playing him as a 10, if you've got a centre forward like Wood, might be the best way to get... Because he's going to get selected in the team. Because the only bright spark, and he was, I thought, San Maximum was poor against Watford outside of his goal, which was absolutely wonderful. But outside of that, his overall performance was poor. Uh, but you're going to play him in the side for moments like that goal. So play him in a position where he does least damage to what Wood needs. Well, that was what I was going to ask you, because I've seen some suggestions that you could maybe put St. Maximum on the bench and use him as an impact sub. But the other side of that is, like you say, if you take him out of the team, he, 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 he can Where's be awful. He yeah. can be awful for eighty odd minutes and be frustrating. But he suddenly has that magic moment, and Newcastle get a goal or what have you. But we do need to see him making better decisions when he's when he's got the ball. There was a moment when if he, was, he was if he made better decisions when he had the ball, etc. He would not be at Newcastle. He would now be with point. a Champions League club because he's got everything in terms of ability. Boy's decision making's bad and he doesn't always get his head up. If he did those two things, he wouldn't be with us in a relegation fight. He would be with Liverpool in the Champions League. We are, I, well, I'm certainly sensing though a lot more fans asking questions about him, a lot more fans becoming frustrated with him. Is that just because Newcastle are at the bottom of the, of the, of the league or near the bottom of the league and they're not winning games and someone, unfortunately, will always pick up the flack and when they see St Max maybe taking on an extra player and then the pass not coming off, he's probably going to he's probably going to be the one, maybe. Well, yes, some of that comes into it. Of course it does. But you're right to get um, annoyed and get frustrated because he is capable of doing things. There's other people that aren't capable. Shaw and Lascelles aren't capable of defending for an hour and a half. Uh, Shelby is not capable of getting round the pitch. Etc. Etc. They're not capable. He is capable. But what concerns me as well is I've noticed subtle changes in his body language. He doesn't seem happy at all playing in this current Newcastle team. And my concern is that deep down inside, does he think he's too good for this team and these teammates are letting him down? Um, he scores a, a wonder goal and we don't win still. And he made a big point of that after the game. Is he getting to, to the stage where... He's looking at the Newcastle situation and doesn't fancy it because you need San Maximum to be firing and buzzing and lifting the team. And he doesn't play like that now. He plays with the cares of the world, I feel. You mentioned there Lascelles and Cher and the defence again was oh. vulnerable and Lascelles, for me, was was, was, was guilty. He, he should have done better with it, the crossing at the box and he, he made a few mistakes against Watford. And you feel... Leeds United will punish you for that. For all they've got injuries, I mean, Banford might be back. We were recording this before Bielsa's press conference later this afternoon. So we're probably going to get an update on on uh, Banford there. But, you know, Harrison scored a hat-trick in the, in the last game against West Ham. Yep. West Ham, you know, flying, looking for Champions League uh, qualification, you know, top four. Brilliant run of form they've been on. And Leeds go then and score three and win the game. Leeds are a dangerous side. And I do feel, even if they are still missing... 
Calvin Phillips, and they have got a host of big names out still. If Newcastle oh. are as vulnerable as they are at the back there, I they'll watched, get punished. I watched Leeds play at West Ham live, and it was an enthralling, enthralling match. And Leeds were wonderful. Leeds at their best are a great side for neutrals to watch because they've got a high press, they're enthusiastic, they attack at pace, um, they can keep it going for 90 minutes. I mean, they had nine players out at West Ham and within half an hour of the game starting, lost another two to injury. They were all out through injury, not through COVID, so they couldn't get the game off. What a wonderful inspiration they were. They had nine guys out, they had 11 missing after half an hour of the game and they put on a performance like that and won the match against the top four side um, they were terrific to watch they have been so restricted by injuries and Bielsa is an absolute eccentric he wants to work with a small squad etc which means when he has injuries like that he hasn't got enough players they have given eight eight Teenagers, the Premier League debuts this season, which is a Premier League record. Eight have played in the Premier League for the first time, going on as subs, etc., in, in lots of cases. And yet, they can produce a result like they did there. They're, they're, they're fabulous. They produced that result without Calvin Phillips and Patrick uh, Bamford, who were their two great stars of last season. Harrison scored a hat trick and therefore took all the publicity, but for me, Rafina, he's a brilliant player. Twenty-five-year-old Brazilian, he is absolute. The vision, the perception, the accuracy on free kicks round the ball, and you know what? And here's the difference between their star man and our star man, Sam Maxima. He looks as if he enjoys himself. He's relentless for the team. He makes the right decisions, not the wrong decisions. Um, he is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful player. Um, and yes, if they play anything like they do, they did at West Ham, we are in massive trouble. But on the other side, we, we should look at Leeds at the back and they're quite oh. open and expansive. But I, I do worry because for, for Newcastle to take advantage of that, they need that midfield to be able to break up the play and, and, and stop Leeds coming forward and then hit them on the counter. And I look at the centre midfield and... They've, they, they've, let, they've let in 39 goals in 20 games. So that tells you their back is almost as bad as our back. They do concede goals. But what worries me as well, Andrew, is that if we we are going to have to play on the counter to them there. That's the way we will be set up. We'll be looking to play on the counter. And in two key positions for me, we lack pace. Shelby lacks terrible pace. Let's be truthful, Chris Wood lacks pace. He is one paced. So if you've got a lack of pace up front in the centre of, of, of the front and then immediately behind him, Shelby with no pace, if we aren't careful, those two guys are going to get swamped because these other guys are going to be like bees around a honeypot. 
they're going to swamp them and we're going to lose the ball and they're going to be back onto us. I know we're pointing, we're painting an awful picture, but that's that's the reality. It's it's current evidence. Having watched Leeds against West Ham and having watched Newcastle against Watford, it is the current reality. So Newcastle, do you think, going to rely on Joe Linton to be the enforcer to break up the play? Is that how you see Saturday going? <sighs> My, my whole worry throughout the team is pace because you've got to match them on pace and enthusiasm. You've got to be quick round the park. In two key areas, Shelby and Wood, and I'm not putting on them in particular, we lack pace. Um, yes, you're going to want... Everybody is going to have to be on blob. And the, the, the worry is our defence. Could, could you see Almiron maybe coming in because he offers a bit of pace? No. Almiron? But I can see him getting selected for that reason, for, for, for the pace that he can bring to the side, because we're going to have to get round the park. I, and I, Everybody that gets a mention, it's very difficult at the moment because we've got minus things to say about them because that's the way they're playing. And, you know, out, outside of, of Joe Linton and... Um, you know, we're looking to say good things about players at the moment because they're, they're not performing up to scratch. In terms of the January transfer window then, we spoke last week about how important it was to get Chris Wood in, not just because they needed a striker, but because of the boost it would give to the fans and to yeah. the squad. And here we are, Thursday morning. It looks very unlikely that Newcastle are going to sign anyone in time. The cut-off point is yeah. midday on Friday Diego Carlos has been the main man. You know, Newcastle was said to be confident of getting two in earlier this week. That hasn't come off as of yet. Clubs seem to be seeing Newcastle coming. You know, reports they offered uh, thirty-five million for that young French teenager, and Rems turned it down and wanted 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 more. So the clubs are definitely seeing Newcastle coming. The owners are finding out just how tough it is. The first question, John, if Newcastle starts Saturday with the same squad they had last weekend against yeah. Watford, how big of a blow will that be to morale, to the atmosphere in Massive, the stands? Ma I started off, Andrew, on this podcast by saying we've got a huge lift before we played Cambridge with Trippier through the door and our balloon was well and truly pricked. We've got a huge lift again before Watford by getting the centre forward through the door and our balloon was well and truly pricked. Nobody's blown up the balloon this week uh, for it to get pricked because we haven't got anybody uh, through the door at this given moment. And what is happening is game by game, neutrals in this country, not Geordies, Geordies have known all season how difficult it's going to be to keep Newcastle up because we're so, so far off the pace of a decent Premier League side. But to neutrals looking at it, we're just now, they're just now seeing how difficult it's going to be for Newcastle because there is loads of positions. As I said, we need two centre-halves, we need a midfield player and we need a striker and we need a left-back. And, um, you know, the Diego Carlos thing this week has reminded me so much of the situation with Emery, his manager. If you remember, he was past the post to be manager of Newcastle United. His club were playing that night and he was going to become Newcastle manager after the game. After the game, he decided to stay. Carlos was going to be our player this week for around 30 million. Um, he asked for a transfer because he wanted to come to Newcastle. He was going to put himself in the game last night uh, 
to do the right thing by Sevilla and after the game indications came that he wasn't going to sign for us after all history is beginning to repeat itself the new owners are beginning to find out how difficult it wasn't difficult with Trippier because Trippier was desperately anxious to come back to England for family reasons so he had a big advantage there it wasn't difficult with Wood because he had an escape clause and you just had to trigger it and Burnley could do nothing about it this, these sort of deals we're talking about now are much more difficult to conclude. And every game that passes, sadly, is, is it's, it's more of a crisis for Newcastle because they're not good enough. This current squad, if you look at it, we've won one game out of 22 in all competitions and we've gone out of both domestic cups at home. Would be knocked out first hurdle at home. That's how bad this squad is. On the Carlos situation, so if you haven't seen it, when he left the ground last night, he was asked by a reporter something along the lines, you know, whether it be are you are you, are you staying in Seville, are you leaving? Obviously, it was in Spanish, so I haven't translated fully. And he replied something along the lines of, "I've got a long time here," or "I know, I'm, I'm I, yeah." So we, that was basically the translation. Now, the interesting thing, John, as we're, we're recording. Um, Diego Carlos has taken to Instagram and he has screenshotted the clip from this Spanish TV show that asked him the question and he's put plenty of emojis at the bottom one of a palm face one of a face with a zip across it which means keep quiet or what have you and then plenty of laughing crying with laughter emoji faces so we make of that what, what, what we do um, he appears to looking like he's poking fun at that clip which, of course, has now got Newcastle United fans on Twitter and Instagram up height again. I mean, this is this actually, John, is it'd be quite interesting because this shows you how, what journalists and how the transfer window is these days because we're keeping constant uh, looking at players' social media. They're dropping hints and what have you. Where compared to back in your day, it was probably a phone call and, and job done. It was to a certain extent if you had the right contacts. It yeah. was it was difficult in our days. It wasn't like today. You didn't get mass press press conferences where you could sit there and not ask a question and get all the answers, somebody else's questions, and write them down. It was much more difficult than that. You lived or died by your own ability on a one-on-one situation with the manager or the player concerned to get the right story. But it was a, there wasn't the Instagrams and this sort of thing. I mean, quite truthful, if if we had a centre-half in to go to Leeds, I would feel a little bit more comfortable I was now. But I wouldn't think every hole in the dam's been blocked up and we now go to Leeds and win because we've, we've proved that we couldn't win against Cambridge and then we couldn't win against Watford. And do we think Leeds away is a bit more difficult than Cambridge at home and Watford at home? Because it is. We are in a very difficult situation uh, whereby we all realise it takes more than one more signing. We've got two and it takes more than three to put things right this window. So on Newcastle's transfer business, it appears to be being led by Amanda uh, Stavely, Steve uh, Nixon and uh, Eddie Howe. A little bit of advice from, from, from other people. I just wonder how important a director of football would have been at oh. this point because if they'd had someone in, and again, it, it you know it appears it hasn't been the easiest easiest of searches to get someone in. We've seen plenty of people linked. You know, Dan Ashworth from Brighton would be a tremendous uh, appointment, but again, what would his actual role be, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So no one's been appointed yet, but you you can't help but feel if someone had 
been appointed and been given maybe full control, things might have been a little bit a little bit easier? Yes, I think without a shadow of doubt. I think one of the great concerns we've got, because anybody that takes over a football club does not know automatically how to run a football club. When John Hall took over Newcastle United in the birth of the entertainers come along, he had never attempted to run a football club. Very shrewd businessmen, they all are, to have enough money to take over a club Newcastle size, but they've never run a football club. John Hall hadn't, Mike Ashley hadn't, and the Saudis, the Rubens, or uh, Amanda hadn't. And they find it is a different life, and everything you do is scrutinised, everything you do is in the public domain, and the concern with Newcastle is that the partnership's a three-way partnership. And so do we have three opinions, the Saudis, the Rubens and Amanda and her husband, do we have three opinions conflicting with one another on who we should sign or who should be the new director of football, etc., etc. They're learning on the hoof and that's becoming apparent. They want to do all the good things, they want to save Newcastle, they want to safeguard their investment, they want to get players through the door, they want to get a director of football as well as a manager, etc., etc. But it's proving more difficult and they're learning on the hoof. And the tragedy is that the timing of the takeover, time was never on Newcastle's side and it isn't now. Every I wrote about a fortnight, three weeks ago, every day that passes is a day lost. And that's the unfortunate thing because of what has been inherited at St James's Park. And it is like trying to climb Everest in a pair of sandshoes. One step up the hill and three steps sliding back. So we've got 12 days left of the window. Are we now nearing a point, John, where Newcastle United maybe just need to pay the over inflated prices because going down will cost you a lot more so you know if it is it is a trend of thought Andrew that says that for the very reason you said I mean the more and more I think about it and it hurts this old heart of mine the more and more I see the inevitability of Newcastle going down it's certainly probably three out of four go down Watford and the bottom three at the moment, I mean, of which we are part of it. And Leeds are already 10 points clear of Newcastle. Leeds are 10 points clear who were in it. Everton, now they've got rid of the Benitez factor, which was producing hatred on the terraces in the way, or even more so perhaps, if that's possible. It's Steve Bruce at Newcastle. You've got a feeling that they'll lift away from the relegation. So it's going to be three from four. And... It is very difficult to see Newcastle being the one that escapes because, you know, we must be the richest club in the world that's actually paupers on the field. We're paupers. We, uh, the lack of talent we've got, we're paupers. And we've had a lot of disappointments. I'm sick of must-win matches, which you mentioned. We've had them with Brighton. We've had them with Norwich. We've had them with Watford. We're, every game's must-win, and we never win. The one we've won in 22 this season against Burnley, the goalkeeper dropped the ball, and Wilson stuck it in the back of the net. The goalkeeper clanger. Um, it is 
frightening because there's no more time. It's no good saying, well, let, okay, we'll lose at Leeds, get that out the way, and then we've got a week and a half's break before we play Everton, we'll get a couple in, and then we'll go again. You know, it, it, those times have gone, it's about now. Well, and because if Newcastle do lose against Leeds, it probably makes it even tougher to persuade top-quality players ah. to, to come to Newcastle. There's, there, there's no question about that whatsoever. And even when we're getting stepping stone players, because Chris Wood's a stepping stone player, Chris Wood will not be the centre forward of his side that's trying to get into the Champions League. And if Newcastle are lucky enough to be doing that in three seasons' time, or two and a half seasons' time, which is what we wish, then he will have bridged the gap between now and then, but he will not be the centre forward to score 20 goals and take you into the Champions League. He's not that sort of player. And we have paid over the odds for for Chris Wood there's absolutely no question about that we're talking about perhaps we've got to pay over the odds for players and yes there's a, but Chris Wood's natural valuation would not be 25 million that's why every release clause in a player's contract the, the club that owns the player thinks the fee is excessive and therefore we're protected you don't you don't value a player in his in his get out clause at what he's actually worth, you make it more than that, so that if you do lose him, at least you've got a nice little profit. And and Wood, and I'm not at all being nasty about it, and he does, he's kept Burnley up almost single-handed over the last few seasons, but he's not worth £25 million in a normal market, but Newcastle had to pay the price and did. Rumours of Jesse Lingard being on, on the radar <laughs> would yes. be some addition, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, if you were Jesse Lingard, if you were Martial, if you were Bamyang, if, if you were Aaron Ramsey, would, would you be knocking at Newcastle's door and saying, please let me in? I th you, you would actually think you would get a better club. I think it? if it was a loan deal, then yes. Permanently, you've probably got another question and a few questions to ask your agent there. But if it's a loan deal and you look at, obviously, the World Cup coming up and or you're not getting a game like the uh, Van der Beek at Manchester United, he's, he's barely even been seen. Then you go, well, for six months, you know, if they go down, right, okay, they've gone down, but I'm going to go back to my parent club. And if I get a few games in that time, a bit of fitness, I can put myself would, in a shop window. I would I would do that. Right, you would hope that you would go to West Ham, though, like he did, wouldn't you, rather than go to Newcastle, and because you've got a platform the way they play to show what you can do. And by the way, I'm not, uh, I feel suitably depressed today after being beaten down over the last <laughs> couple of home games, but... How many goals is Jesse Lingard going to keep out of our night like? I mean, we, we need more than just... I'm not having a go. Je Jesse Lingard could do a great job for us. Up but he's not the piece, final could, piece of the jigsaw, so is he? But, I mean, we're still going to let 43 goals in at the back with Jesse Lingard playing in, in midfield or attacking up front. We need two there. We need two killer-kill clients to shut that door, roll their sleeves up over the top of their shoulders and say, right, come on, you come. You think you're going to break us down? You come over here and I'll have a tussle with me for an hour and a half. Um, we need somebody to shut the back door for us. We do, and Newcastle are so far struggling to find that person. Perhaps they'll move on from Diego Carlos and, and go for someone else. Perhaps Carlos will end up a Newcastle United player I feel there's going to be plenty more twists and turns to this January transfer window. We'll finish, John, as usual, with how this game's going to go on Saturday. Oh, deary, deary, deary. Well, let me say, to start with, the last two games, I was convinced Newcastle would win. I was convinced Newcastle would beat Cambridge in the FA Cup 
how wrong could I be? We were humiliated. I was convinced then, with another signing in, that would beat Watford, how wrong was I? And I wasn't just two minutes wrong. We had one shot on target the whole game. And now we play Leeds away with the possibility of having no more people through the door. I can only see one result at Leeds, and in, in that is that Newcastle lose. And um, perhaps me tipping them to lose means they'll win because I've tipped them to win the last <laughs> two weeks and they haven't. Yeah, I can only see a defeat. Uh, and it's sad as well that so much attention, if the game goes ahead on Friday, is on Watford's game in hand. They play Norwich, don't they? Yeah, 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 they uh, play Friday night. So, I mean, Newcastle... Even if well, they win, what what happened if they played Burnley yeah. with the game that was off? I mean, you know, they, it could be the bottom three or the bottom three if Watford had won those two games. If, if Newcastle lose lose to Leeds, and we we hope they, they really don't, is that it? Is that curtains for Newcastle in the Premier League? Do you think? I think the writing has told us it's been curtains for an awful long time now. Um, I th- I think Newcastle have been down, down but. It's not too late to reverse that. Um, and you've got to keep fighting. We have lived through a horrendous season, but it's only halfway through. There's still another half to play. But there's nothing that's given us hope at the moment. And um, I find it quite astonishing that as we sit talking today, Newcastle are still in touch with everybody at the bottom. They're two points off fourth bottom when they've won one game all season and they've let in 40-odd goals. They've won the fewest games all season and let in the most goals outside of Norwich and yet they're only two points adrift of safety. That is astonishing. But what has happened when you look at the situation is that the bottom is now down to a four-horse race and three of them are, are going to suffer and it is reduced to that. We're losing touch from Watford on there's a gap and, and you cannot see I was hoping that Leeds a couple of weeks two or three weeks back that Leeds and Everton would get dragged into this I don't think Leeds are they've survived their biggest test and come out to the end and I think Everton ironic to say we needed them to keep Rafa yeah, because it, it really poisoned the terraces and Rafa coming up here with Everton crowd having the deputy and all that for the next game after Leeds could have been very, very interesting. Big Duncan Ferguson bringing them up here. I mean, he will he will not open the door to walk into St James's Park. He'll just walk straight through the closed door. Uh, that's the sort of guy. And he could be inspirational for them. He's certainly an Everton le- They have got an Everton legend, the Everton fans, in charge of their team, haven't had a Liverpool legend in charge of their team. That'll change the mindset completely. Everton aren't out of it because they've bought badly and they've mismanaged as badly as Newcastle United nationally did, but in a totally different way. But I don't see them as genuine relegation fodder. I think it's three from four. And we've got to win come heck or high water and when we beat Burnley 1-0 the keeper dropped the ball great finish by Wilson keeper dropped the ball else we wouldn't have won that game so you know, when have we looked like I mean I'm sitting there next to the supermarket at St James's Park in the Watford game and we're looking at each other when there's five minutes to go and say we're not going to see this out you know we're not going to, you can feel it, you can feel the tension, the apprehension, they're playing with the freedom, 
Um, and that's the way it turned out to be. I want us to beat Leeds and you to invite me back to begin the next week to be cheery as heck and say, this is it, the Geordies are on the march. I hope so. I well, don't think so. It's even more important, isn't it, to get a win, not just because we're Newcastle on the league table, but then you have that break before the Everton game sure. as well. So you don't want to be going in that little bit of a break on the back of a bad performance, on the back of a defeat, because the players, are, well, I would assume the players, I know the fans will probably just sit there and just dwell over it for, the, for, for them days after the game. So a win is important across all uh, boundaries of what, what this will mean for Newcastle United. I do feel, John, this podcast has come with a bit of a health warning. Um, <laughs> My been, health and your health. Yeah, it hasn't been it hasn't been a cheerful one, but fingers crossed we're both wrong with our prediction and Newcastle do pick up three points at Ellen Road on Saturday. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, you can keep up with it. With all the latest Newcastle night news, we've got a transfer blog up and running. We have Eddie House press comments on Friday morning. And please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider and leave us a, re- a rating and review if you can. And enjoy the rest of your week. Cheers.